Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, your weekly discussion of motoring news. This is episode 309 on Tuesday, the 25th of February, 2020. Hello, I'm Alan. Hello, I'm Andrew. And this week, we'll be wondering if German courts are listening to our show. We say happy birthday to a lovely sight, and we agree with the sentiment of some vandalism. But first... Along the lines of what I was just hinting at, uh, the first of the follow-up, and it's court-related, woohoo, and it's German court-related, woohoo, and it's Volkswagen and Dieselgate, woohoo. I am beginning to lose enthusiasm for this story after nearly four years. But it is the news. We were talking about it it's, last week. It's that, taken some of us less time than that, by the way. I know, the listeners mainly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we talked about it last week that the Volkswagen Group and the German Consumer Protection Organization, VZBV, had stopped talking to each other about agreeing a settlement because Volkswagen said they weren't going to pay the 50 million euros for legal fees. And VZBV turned around and said, well, we still want uh, open and transparent and proper compensation for the consumers. And basically, a German court got them together last week, banged their heads together and said, oi, sort it out, stop this, get it done. <laughs> Did they have ways of making them talk? <laughs> that, may be, that may be the, the threat for next time. <laughs> Oh, yes. So we will have to wait and find out if they do agree that they won't pay all the legal fees, only some of it or whatever's going to happen. But I think it's pretty bad if the court steps in and says, sort it before we have to, because yeah. we, we are not happy. But that's, that's, mm -hmm. the, that's the first of the German court follow-ups. So moving on in German court news, uh, continuing from last week when we said that there had been a uh, there had been an injunction against uh, Tesla and their contractors about the cutting down of the of the trees so that the European Gigafactory could be built. Mm -hmm. It went to appeal and the local court stepped in on Thursday, rejected the environmentalist efforts to stop the land being cleared of trees, and added that its ruling couldn't be appealed, so I have to actually get on with it. So cutting down of the trees has continued. The activists themselves were from a group called The Tree Pirates, with a fantastic motto, Up with Trees, Down with Capitalism. Um, it said it had occupied the forest to prevent Tesla from building its plant. Right, moving on. And uh, whilst this isn't quite in follow-up, it's sort of follow-up. But as we discussed a couple of weeks ago when there was a slight hoo-ha on the internet about how the government said they are going to bring forward... It was reported that the government said they're going to bring forward the ban on... Uh, internal combustion engine and hybrid vehicles to 2035 and everyone seemed to lose their collective shizzle because people didn't actually report that there's going to be a consultation on, on possibly bringing forward this ban and adding hybrid. Now, that consultation has opened and there are links in the show notes which you should be able to see after much faffing in the back end. But they are visible again, and you can click through on an auto car article by James Atwood that discusses this move by the government to open it up, and there is the link directly to the consultation website. We have until 
23.45 hours on Friday the 29th of May to give our feedback on this proposal. So do it or shut up. Can I just point out that so what they're asking for input on is the phase out date, what should be phased out and what the barriers are to achieve those proposals. They're asking, according to this, respondents to consider both the measures required by the government and other groups to achieve an earlier phase-out date and the impact of these ambitions on different sectors of the indus- of industry and society. You mean they're not just so, doing level one thinking? Good gosh. Well, they have been so far. I think you're a bit unfair, by the way, saying that the internet lost its shizzle. I think there was a sort of general shizzle loss both in real life and across uh, and across all the different types of media, rather than just the internet. Well, that is the world now. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Alan, tell us about Ford and dealerships and possibility of closures or not closures or maybe rumours. Well, you've pretty much covered the story there. So Ford is expected to cut almost half of its 400 uh, dealers uh, over the next four years in a bid to improve network profitability, uh, says Auto Retail Agenda and their sources. Uh, that would mean a reduction of 180 dealerships uh, from across the country. Uh, Ford currently has the largest retail network in the UK with, uh, as I say, about 400 retailers. To give you an idea of just how far ahead of anyone else is, the next largest network is Vauxhall, which has 276 uh, retailers. That said, it's reorganizing as well, meaning it'll end up with about 260 sites uh, all in all. Mm. So, yeah, there's been... So, yes, this is still kind of rumory. Well, Ford um, are refusing that- to deny direct questions or uh, agree to direct questions so it does yeah. sound a little bit we're not prepared to put the news likely. out there yet <laughs> we mm-hmm. we wish to control this i mean there's a there's a couple of uh factors that are impacting this part of it is the new ford Mackey, which is their uh, full electric car is only going to be sold online so that i think that will begin to spread throughout the the way they do things a bit more so that's possibly beginning to get themselves ready for that well certainly from an online point of view ford's retail facing website has never been as slick as as pretty much anyone else is really Mm. and with some of the korean brands trying to you can order online including your part x and they'll deliver the car straight to you yeah Uh, i think there's certain sectors of the market find that fantastically useful yeah, absolutely. I mean, and this is on the back of the news uh, last week or the week before that Fiesta production is being reduced as well. So it's a combination mm. of things. And you know, how many months have we done? Uh, has there been a drop in the figure uh, figures of new car registration? So I think it's just showing that it's a really tough environment at the minute, with no mm-hmm. no light at the end of the tunnel, particularly not in Britain because there's still the magic uncertainty word floating around everywhere <laughs> and will be for yeah. all this year uh, let's be frank about it you know we, we're going to be probably right up until the wire of the the deadline at the end of the year we're going to be uncertain to how things are going to pan out mm. or or they're going to be quick quickly panned out but in a way that is not what the smmt want <laughs> mm-hmm. i i can yes. only see that yes. being the quick resolution <laughs> 
Yeah. Mm, so it 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 is an indication that it is uh, it is tough out there for for all manufacturers. If any of us hadn't tweaked to that already, I think making stuff tougher and adding a whole new dimension of uncertainty is, of course, coronavirus. Uh, and it's whatever its correct new name is. It's having an impact on. It's starting to have an impact on vehicle manufacturing, and it's starting to impact those of us in Europe. So, do you want to tell us a little bit more about that, Andrew? Yeah, I was having a conversation with Simon Harris, uh, editor of Business Car, and because I was mentioning the public is realizing how putting all your eggs in one basket, manufacturing wise, has a massive impact, and this is affecting globally. All sorts of industries, you look at tech, you look at cars, you know, anything that needs anything from China or Southeast Asia now is really seriously being impacted and it has problems. Mm. And something I didn't appreciate until Simon pointed this out to me, with the expected changes in the uh, business in kind rates, which are still expected and have not yet been confirmed by the government, and here we are on this date... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so they're meant to come into force, by the way, on the 1st of April. Yeah. <laughs> so about five weeks away. Yeah. It's expected that they'll be announced at the budget in about two weeks' time. So it's going to be super quick <laughs> if it happens. Yeah. Who knows? Nobody knows. Well, that's the no. thing. Everyone's bet that they will announce what's been suggested up to now. But it's yeah, as you say, who knows with the politicians we have today? They may wake up and decide something completely different. Uh, And that goes for all brands of politicians, by the way. Mm -hmm. Just the point here is, if you've ordered a BMW 320M Sport with a P11D of 46,820, under the NEDC figures, that would be 113 grams per kilometre. Under WLTP, that moves up to 140 grams per kilometre. So that moves from 26% to 31%. So if you don't get that car before the 6th of April is apparently the magic date on the uh, business in kind rates, if you don't get it before then, you're paying the new rate an extra 5%. What do you reckon the bets are? You know, whenever they change the taxes... And the jealousy tax came into came into play, and there was a surge month mm. for many manufacturers of vehicles that cost more than forty. Is it forty five thousand? I thought it was forty. Forty thousand. I should know the number off the top of my head, and I don't, because um, it's well above where I buy my cars. Um, <laughs> There was a surge month where vehicles maybe got registered a little earlier. Yes. Than possibly they would normally have done. Do you think we're going to see that at the end of March, perhaps? Do, do I think that possibly the end of March, or March may be a record month? Yes, I can foresee this. <laughs> I would imagine there will be an upsurge in March, because once again, it's yet another thing that stops us getting a complete year-on-year comparable set of figures. Yeah. You know, we haven't got. How, when was the last time we went a year where there was there was a year where there were no mucking about with something around taxation around vehicles? It, it's I am been a while. Like James Ruppert now. <laughs> it's been a while, certainly. Uh, but, uh, but further yeah. further points on this is that the manufacturers are 
Not sure whether they're going to need to go to the EU and sort of basically beg and say, don't bring in this rule from the start of April and claim force majeure. That's going to be a heck of a shout, and I can't see the EU being that sympathetic, frankly. No, they'll... They'll just go tough. It's what I foresee. <laughs> but it does mm-hmm. go to show... But that, that, that by, It's not EU, by the way. That's that's UK market only. Yeah, but... The, that is UK Sorry, sorry uh, yes. I didn't start that off properly. But as part of the 95 grams per kilometre average range yes. thingy that that's beginning to people are openly talking about how this is probably going to affect that because they can't mm-hmm. get the vehicles that they want of the specific type yeah okay so there's two different yeah, problems. so there's there. two different yeah. problems yes apologies everybody but i think it does hammer home how delicate just-in-time manufacturing is yeah i mean there's a whole I think that many questions will be raised over business continuity planning mm. uh, around this. Yeah, yeah. Because it did come from, you know, it, it came very quickly from nothing and then and then spread to much of the Far East. Uh, and that, that has, is definitely a challenge. And of course, it happened over Chinese New Year as well. Yep. Uh, when lots and lots of people are traveling back and forth and around and, and yeah. Flat pack us now, please. Yes, I will. So IKEA have come up with uh, with a plan to respond to the plethora of new and interesting clean air zones being proposed and introduced around the UK. What they're going to do is they're going to make their fleet zero emissions. There's, there's, there's an article from What Van magazine that, that I've got in front of me here. And I love the quotation from Angela Hulk. Hultberg, uh, who's the head of sustainable mobility uh, at IKEA. And yes, I can believe they do have a head of sustainable mobility. Uh, and she says that there is no government harmonization. What we see, and we're seeing cities doing their own things, and this is becoming difficult. If we go all electric, we cover everything. So, so it isn't all about having to ask, what's the policy in London? What's the policy in Birmingham, Bristol, and Manchester? They're just going to be able to go. They're just going to go and they're saying, say, right, okay, our fleet is going to be electric. That's it. Uh, she does point out that IKEA is in a very fortunate position, uh, in her words, of being able to throw money and resources at this kind of problem to, to make the change. And that she is concerned about small companies not being able to uh, afford the shift. Uh, currently, they run four electric commercial vehicles, 14, pardon me. Uh, currently, they run 14 electric commercial vehicles, including eight LDV EV80 vans, the poor, poor people, out of their total fleet of 350 CVs. Mm-hmm. Uh, what she's saying, by the way, is is that big players like them, like IKEA, have to have a role to play because they help the transition for smaller suppliers because the big fleets need to go first. uh, And then that means that as vehicles drop out of their fleets, they trickle down into the second-hand market and it becomes more affordable for others. It's a very IKEA way of thinking this. Mm. And and it doesn't surprise me either. I mean, I know that that in Sweden, then the, certainly the offices that I visited, there are many, many, charges for their you know in the works car parks Mm. so that people can charge up their plug-in hybrid or ev company cars which they're strongly encouraged to go for basically it's it's at least plug-in hybrid or nothing but i but i think it does also show the frustration of business 
at the way people have just basically scattergunned, or it appears scattergun mm-hmm. solutions, in inverted commas, at the loosest sense of the word in some cases, <laughs> solutions to our problem. Yeah. And it's been... I can sort of see it for this, from the city's point of view. They feel like they've just been abandoned and left to do it on their own. So mm-hmm. just some some joined up thinking is really required. And it looks like business is the one that's going to have to do it because the, the politicians and uh, those sort of people are frankly useless and not talking to across across areas. They're just focused on their only tiny little area. Yeah, exactly. It's a... Uh... Local solutions for local people. Let's all retreat. Andrew, moving on from local solutions for local people, what have the people in hoodies been up to? Yes, researchers. So that uh, if you can just imagine, because if if ever there is researchers mentioned, you have to see somebody in a hoodie in front of a laptop in a dark room, because that's all they ever do. And there's code going down the screen. Looks like it's uh, from um, The Matrix. Except for these researchers went outside and applied some electrical tape to a sign and it confused the Model S and the Model X from 2016 that had the Mobileye IQ3 chip that was being used uh, by the camera to ascertain what the speed the car should be doing. So it, the camera was reading the, the road signs and from that was saying, right, this road sign says whatever it says, this is the speed that autopilot will now go to a maximum of. So they, they tweaked a 35 mile an hour sign and made it look like, or enough like 85 mile an hour that the car sped up. They, they essentially elongated the middle of the three. Yeah. There's a link in the show notes to the Register's uh, article on this. And there's also a video from uh, McAfee Research. Uh, is it McAfee Research? Oh, anyway, they were the people who declared yeah. yes, it is. Who declared this bug. And it should be noted that Tesla fell out with Mobileye not long after this. So this is not this chip and this system is not in the later versions of these cars. So this only works on the Mobileye IQ3 camera system combined to the autopilot, which I think is called Hardware Pack 1 in Tesla speak. I don't know because I don't really pay that much attention. Because that that chip is used by an awful lot of other manufacturers. Well, it is. It's including Cadillac, Nissan, Audi, and Volvo. Yes. That's just a camera system. That's not necessarily the passing of the data entering the camera. It's not necessarily the same. Through reading through this and the way it's, it's worded, that would imply to me that there's a combination of the camera, the chip, and the software to run the car have all come to this decision that that said 85, whereas other manufacturers possibly don't. Uh, the bit that really concerns me on all this is that they were contacted by McAfee in September 2019. This is both Mobileye and Tesla to say, we found this, here's the evidence, here's how we've repeated it over and over again, etc. And they And they have apparently, and this is a quote, both expressed interest and satisfaction with the research, 
but did not indicate any plans to address the models deployed in the field. So a known bug like that, and it's out there. So now any little kid who wants to go and have fun, <laughs> in inverted commas, and mess up an autopilot. <laughs> yeah, it's easy enough to do so. Yeah. Oh, well. Yeah, we got, we've broken our rule by having two Tesla stories in, a, in, well, by having a Tesla story and then having two in the one show. It's just unbelievable. I know. Well, cheer us up and take us to Scotland, Alan. Well, uh, generally cheers me up, yes. Uh, there is a new uh, driving trail through the Scottish borders has been launched, the 50-mile Jim Clark driving trail, even. And it's been launched to coincide with the reopening of the Jim Clark Motor Sport Museum. The idea is that this 50-mile route will take visitors around the area where twice Formula One World Championship Jim Clark was born, and it begins and ends at the Motorsport Museum in Duns. Yeah, it will reopen on the 1st of March after being closed for winter, like so many other places. It's fantastic. It, uh, it's around between Duns, Berwick-upon-Tweed, and that kind of area. It's fantastically pretty, so it's going to be a drive worth doing anyway. Yeah. But then the ability to, to do that and to visit the museum uh, and to get the, the sort of extra sort of automotive automotive angle to it should be should be interesting i've been through and past duns but not for a long long time not certainly not since they 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 opened the, the museum so so yeah it looks like it's it's going to be worth a worth a visit yeah that's a, I, I like that idea as well that mm -hmm. it, it's not just let's get people up to look at a museum it's let them enjoy the the local area as well get to see how, what this is a really gorgeous part of the country shows what that has to offer as well and and i think that's a fabulous idea yeah it's a good one and the thing is that at 50 miles it turns it into that sort of full day out so you can do that and you can do the museum yeah perfect excellent keeps people in the area mm -hmm. that's a good one well spotted yes that brings us to part way through the show i think halfway is probably a bit end of part one bit, be a bit <laughs> end of part one yes <laughs> So just as you know, this week is the last week uh, where we'll be using Guilt Minute to remind you that we're giving away a copy of... Is there another week after this? I thought it finished next Monday. No. Night. No. The week after. God, have we getting that many weeks? Okay. This is a top prize that people will be fighting over to enter. I know, I know. I just didn't think we'd give them three weeks. I thought we'd only give them two weeks. It's the tenth. I think we're pulling. The... People have been entering. You know, this, that's excellent news. The, it's Thankfully. the um... continue more of you. I can't remember what we it's, said. We're last. announcing the winner on the tenth. The recording of the tenth. Oh, are we? Okay, yeah. right. I'm slick, me. Well, I'm a little bit thrown that the person that uh, who the competition is about has been happily not giving hints. <laughs> Yes, I know. Well, and, I've, and I've not been... <laughs> yes, I didn't retweet either. <laughs> no, absolutely not. So this is the second week to where we're giving you a chance to enter for a copy of James Ruppert's latest and probably most contentious book yet, uh, Demotorized, The 200-Year War on the Motorist. To enter, we will need you to answer the following question. James worked as a car salesman back in the day. And as a result, with which brand is he most associated? 
I shall say that again in the finest Jimmy Young manner. James worked as a car salesman back in the day. As a result, with which brand is he most associated? And if you send the correct entry to us via the website contact form, as many of you already have done, then they will be randomly selected on the 10th of March. Yes, we need them in by the by midnight on the 9th. Thank you. Or 23.59 on, on the 9th of March. Um, if you could also uh, Before add, I wake up on the 10th morning. Yeah, if you could yeah. also <laughs> add competition in the subject line, that makes it much easier for us to find your entry because we don't want to miss anyone. It, it does. It does. It gets auto-sorted in my email client for a start. Excellent. And don't forget, mm-hmm. patrons, you get the ability to submit twice. So send in the same thing twice, please. Think that's the easiest way to do that anyway uh lots of discussion about demotorized on twitter recently and if you want to to, to know more and to win this co- this copy that we paid for with our out of our own pocket then do get in touch and do do answer the question the question once again one last time is that james worked as a car salesman back in the day and as a result with which brand is he most associated good luck everyone yes Right, I'm going to move us on to motorsport. And uh, slightly different from normal, but this is the news that uh, Natalie McGloin, who is the Disability and Accessibility Commission President for the FIA, many of you will know that, um, has announced that there is a new initiative to try where she is trying to recruit 5,000 more disabled participants in motor racing uh, over the next few years. So this is... Obviously, fantastic, fantastic news because opening up motorsport, which sometimes gets a bit of a hard, hard press because people say numbers are dwindling and all the rest of it, unless it's the uh, the mega top stuff. Mm-hmm. But there are there are a couple of areas of which are really being focused in this, uh, and that's to improve access uh, and the visibility, because there was incidents such as. Uh, sometimes the actual racing events are not set up to deal with a modified vehicle that has been adapted for a disabled driver. And because I think there was Alex Zanardi was one such instance of this, was put into a separate class Mm -hmm. of their own, which is totally goes against the whole point of this, because this is one of the few sports when it's done properly where the disabled driver is fighting with the able-bodied uh, racer on the same terms, and there is there is no special benefit given or taken away or anything like this. So they are fighting on the same like like Natalie does herself in that adapted Porsche, uh, where she's in that mm-hmm. that race tour. So I think this is just a, a, a absolutely brilliant uh, initiative and idea. And I I saw this in the week and thought we should shout about this and hopefully more people will hear it as well. Yep, absolutely. You can read more in the news chain, which is the home of women's sport, uh, a link of which will be in the show notes. Brilliant. That brings us to this week's lunchtime read, uh, which is a pretty short lunchtime read this this week. You'll spend more time singing happy birthday (laughs) than you will doing the read. 
yeah, it's not a very long lunchtime read this week, but really it's a way to for us to say congratulations to to Gavin Braithwaite-Smith uh, and and a happy 10th birthday to the fantastic Petrol blog. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, uh, he's celebrated with 10 vehicles with the number 10 in the name. Ish. Uh, all of which <laughs> fit into well within his remit, including the Lancia Y10, which I've always been particularly fond of. But yeah, well done, Gav. Awesome work. You You rock. Yeah, keep going, please. I think that's all we need to say there. Yep. Not just Petrol Blog, but all the other stuff that we pinch from Gav to include in the show, really. Yes. <laughs> yes. Right, list of the week. However, is is a monster. It is. It's a cracker. Right, this is from Autocar, and the title is The World's Great Adventure Car Journeys, Dare You Take Part. And frankly, I've... Now, after I've gone through the list, I've been looking at my passport and going, right, how, how can I make any of these happen? You know, not that all of them need a passport or anything. When I was going, this would be fabulous. Any of them would be fabulous. All of them would be, if somebody does all of them, they're utterly amazing and clearly have too much time on their hands. I think there's a limited number of people who could do all of them. But because what, what's fantastic about this list is that there is something for everyone from the Amelia Amelia, which is incredibly difficult to enter these days, to to the North Coast 500, or the Pacific Coast Highway, which, which anyone can do. Mm. I mean, I've done the Pacific Coast Highway. You don't even need a nice car to do it. It was amazing, even in a PT Cruiser convertible. <laughs> It would have been more amazing in something decent, I'm sure. But uh, but yeah, but even in that, you know, it, it's and it's a fantastic list. We don't want to go through and repeat everything in there. No. What do you think's the hardest? I reckon the Dakar. Um, what's the Peking? The Peking. Oh, one. the Paris Peking is pretty tough too. That's yeah. that seems quite seems quite tough. Mm-hmm. But yeah, go go through the list. There is some. The Trans Siberian Highway is going to be hard as well. I've seen films on that yeah but just any of them be absolutely brilliant to do there's at least one that i would like to i would like to tick off during the during my summer holidays uh, and there is another one which which really we need to talk about at some point okay because i think it's doable by us and would be interesting so yeah it's a great list i i look forward to the uh motoring podcast parry dakar uh, entry Cool. Yes, that, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> Garish GR4. Yes. Pre- pre- preferably in red. See if we can get an all track or something's <laughs> equivalent of somebody. Yeah. <laughs> They'll be fine. No, one with of that. the Hiluxes. <laughs> yeah. One of the Hilux. Yeah. yeah. Take us to the end finally. This one, uh, we are not. We are not. <laughs> We're not endorsing the action. We're not encouraging you to do this. Endorsing is the word I was looking for, yes, this action. But there is new and interesting graffiti over the M6, as opposed to anything about Helch, whatever or whoever Helch may be. And if you've driven motorways in the southeast of England, you will have seen the word Helch somewhere, and I just can't find out the backing of it. Uh, The pies for us in the north... It's going is across it? the 62, mm. the pies are a band. You see, Helch took over the Give Peas a Chance <laughs> viaduct, which was important for many of us on the M25. But the, no, the words, why are you a middle lane moron? Question mark. 
uh, have appeared <laughs> over the M6. Where is it? Up between Preston and Lancaster. And then on another bridge are the words, keep left unless overtaking. I just love that these are the most fantastically British passive aggressive. <laughs> yes. <laughs> public information graffiti that you can imagine did you also notice the irony of the first photo of if you look at it where is the person who is taking the photograph and what is on the inside lane <laughs> it's on the well no it's on the passenger no 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 not is, not, is in the yeah, passenger i'm, I'm presuming it's lane. a passenger but where they are on the road the, there is and... there is nobody in the left-hand lane yes, yes. <laughs> But in the next one, they're over, I think. Yeah. I think they're over. They do seem closer, so they've they've learnt. <laughs> yeah, I just thought that was funny. It amused me whilst reminding everyone to please keep left unless you're overtaking. It's very annoying. Yes. Don't don't be those people. They're generally the same people that put their sat-nav right in the... That, or their oversized phone acting as a sat-nav right in the middle of the dashboard. Yes. Oh, not in the middle the of the windscreen. In the middle of the windscreen. Yeah. Dazzling them and the car behind very often. So. <laughs> yes. Which normally once passed. Mm. So, yeah. Excellent one. And that was from the RAC, by the way. Yes. Um, I just spotted that one no. today. So, thank you, RAC. Parish notes. There was a special edition out last Friday. There was. Mild hybrid Tucson. Uh, it'll be new on this Friday. There will. Yes. And I uh, just quickly need to say thank you to Simon Harris, f- to Daniel Puddlecombe, and to uh, also to... Just, I want to get this right. Everyone else who knows him? No, no, to Tristan Young for information um, for the uh, that we've used in this week's show. They all yes. highlighted articles that have, uh, we have used, and thank you for that. We do appreciate the help. Yes, it is great. Um, it's really cool. The feedback that we get from listeners is is brilliant. Um, it's one of the things that makes this such a joy to do each week anyway. Mm-hmm. Cool. Uh, on which incredibly positive note, uh, don't forget, folks, that between now and next week, you can give us any feedback and share your thoughts on the show at Motoring Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, on Facebook and on the contact page of motoringpodcast.com, where you can also... Send in your answer to the competition question for motoringpodcast.com is the hub of all our activities. Uh, don't forget, folks, about Patreon, about our merchandise available from uh, click through the website. And is there anything else I need to remind people about? No, only leaving a review and rating on Apple Podcasts or however your podcast app lets you do such a thing. Andrew. Uh, to get in touch with you, what's the best way? Best way to get in touch with me is via Twitter. If you search for Crack Windscreen, you should find me there. Now, Alan, if people would like to get in touch with you and uh, possibly explain what the graffiti in the southeast actually means, what's the best way for them to do that? Please do, actually. If I have searched the web for references to Helch, and it doesn't seem to come up anywhere other than the stories about the Give Peas a Chance being changed. So if you know more about that, I am actually bizarrely interested to, to know what it is because it really annoys me and you can do that via twitter where i'm at ajp bradley b-r-a-d-l-e-y 
We will be back very soon. But until then, I've been Alan Bradley. I've been Andrew Clues. And safe motoring.